You're listening to Supervision with a Vision, where we discuss all things supervision. I'm your host, Sarah, professional counselor, marriage and family therapist, play therapist, eating disorder specialist, and cookie lover, with my co-host, Heather, marriage and family therapist, certified together in Texas counselor, a Texas transplant from California, and outdoor adventurer. Hi, welcome today to Supervision with a Vision. Today, Heather and I are talking about lessons you can learn from the 2020 Olympics. This week, we read Psychology Today's Mental Health Lessons We Can Learn from Simone Biles, published in Psychology Today 2021. One of the first bullet points, Heather, that we read was about success and how success and mental health go together. Can you think of some examples, either personal or related to supervision? I think it's probably easy for all of us to see that when we are most successful, we're usually in a good headspace. So you can Mm -hmm. easily correlate those two things fairly easily. And you can also correlate the inverse. Like if you're not in a good headspace, you're probably not being successful at any one thing Mm -hmm. in particular. Mm -hmm. But as I look back over my time as a supervisor, I see this almost as a time where we get green interns in that are really successful. They just finished school and they're really motivated and really excited but they may not be in a great space mental health wise. Mm-hmm. They might be really burnt out. They might be really stressed. Mm. And I think a lot of that plays out sometimes for us in supervision when you're talking about like the cadence of counseling, like the pacing of it all, starting and getting those new clients. And I think when you're not taking care of your own mental health, you clearly can't help others as effectively. Right. I, this makes me think of gatekeeping mm-hmm. in school. Right. Did you have many experiences either as a student or later with a school doing some gatekeeping with a student? I didn't have too many experiences with it, enough to know that there were times that I think maybe it should have been yeah. a little stronger. But right. So you're aware that it was... It was definitely helping. Di- it was yeah. part of the program, but right. maybe it wasn't always working. I think it's hard. I think supervisees and educators have a hard time walking the fine line of doing gatekeeping, using gatekeeping appropriately, and also not being accused of in some way being biased or unfair with a student. And my, I think maybe it was a strength in my master's program. I got to see that happen with a student in a pretty clear way. And I saw it as a positive. I think that the Mm -hmm. school handled it really well. And so I could see that their intent was to help that they didn't, it wasn't just a quick decision, that there were lots of steps built into the process to try and help the student. Right. But also, ultimately, there was a way that if the student need to needed to be excluded from the program, that that would happen right. also. It could happen if that mm-hmm. couldn't get on track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that one thing I think of in supervision when it goes to, like, the status of someone, I think it's easy for our interns to have, like, almost like roller coaster moments, right? Like great success. They feel really empowered and they did this really great thing. And then maybe the next week you're not seeing that same thing. They've crashed Mm -hmm. because they didn't feel effective with a client or they didn't. So I think it happens a lot as far as that mirroring goes. Uh So it could be a much, a big picture example and a small picture example. Big picture might be, this isn't a profession that works well for you. And might, let's counsel you into something different. Right. Versus a small picture, smaller picture example, a supervisor, supervisee who's having a difficult time and 
they feel less confident or effective. Maybe right. just a day, a client, a week, something like right. that. Right. What about, I think that we as supervisors can be a useful tool to supervisees when we show this in ourselves, that when we're doing well with our own mental health, we're more effective. Right. When we're not doing so great with our own mental health, we're not as effective. Mm-hmm. And being transparent about that. Absolutely. You know, a lot of times in supervision workshops, they talk about like how much do you share about your own mm-hmm. status, like where mm-hmm. you are mental health wise with your supervisees. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm pretty transparent because I do want to model that, that if I need to reschedule a meeting or I need to take mm-hmm. an afternoon off, mm-hmm. then I want them to know that I did that because I want them to see that, like, even though I've been in practice for more than a decade, I want them to see that that's still something that you need to take care of yourself mm-hmm. on. I think that, Heather, steps into our next point really nicely. Pressure happens to everyone. Mm-hmm. So supervisees, students, supervisors, we're not immune to any of it. Yeah. I think that is a, like, nobody's immune to it. And depending on so many things, right? Like, we all went through pandemic situational stuff in the last year, and we all experienced that pressure, but we all experienced it differently. For me, I found myself wanting alone time because I was with my family and everybody mm. all the time. Mm-hmm. However, one of my colleagues lives alone. And so that mm-hmm. was incredible. She was like, I, I need people time. Can you FaceTime every night? Because <laughs> she was alone. Yeah. So I think yeah. that really is, it was the same pressure, but living circumstances were different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like my supervisees sometimes think that uh, either they think it, about me or they assume it about other counselors that once you get good, then you're just always confident. Right. And you just always think like, you're just always like, do you're just always really good at counseling and right. you, you're never doubting yourself or your mental health is amazing or lay people, you know, someone who's not a counselor mm-hmm. maybe assumes that counselors always have it together. Oh, I think and they, that is, you know, they never have yep. relationship issues mm-hmm. or communication mm-hmm. problems. But that's not true, that as counselors, we are examples that pressure happens to everybody. Right. That we feel that in our work, but also personally. Mm -hmm. So do you share with your supervisees if you have a tough client or if you're feeling maybe like a lot of emotions about a client situation? Do you share that with a supervisee? I definitely, I mean, most of the time, I would say that's an 80% chance that I do. I think they grow from that. I think Mm -hmm. with, or just sharing that I had this experience with a client and it reminded me of a client I had five years ago when I hadn't been through this experience before and I did Mm -hmm. it different this time or Mm -hmm. sharing that kind of for them to see the growth, but also that like it's going to impact you because you're human. If someone's rude to you or abrupt or something kind of shocking happens, we're all going to question like, what was my role in that? Or what was my part of that? Mm -hmm. So I think when that's turned on, you want your supervisees to see that like, oh, it happens no matter what. It's part of working in mental health. Mm-hmm. Heather, our next point, mental wellness has a compounding effect. What are some examples of that as a supervisee or a supervisor? I think when you have supervisee that's not in a good space mentally to be focused on that part of their journey and becoming a therapist, it you will see things like lack of effort, lack of trying. Mm-hmm. You will see things like, and that builds, right? Like, okay, it's one thing if you have a bad week, but it's another thing if you have a bad three months. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And keeping that in check. I mean, I'm very open with my supervisees and with my colleagues that like, 
it's okay. Go back to therapy. We've all been through therapy. Go back. Like it is always good to go get a a touch up session or whatever you need to. I think some supervisees that I've worked with think that they can compartmentalize. Mm. Not only can they do it, but they're like supposed to be doing that. Mm. And they can put everything that's happening at home aside and be a counselor. And then when they're ready, pick all that stuff up from home and right. not be a counselor. And the other, vice versa. The, right. When they're at home, they can just put that stuff down. And I think that it then feels frustrating or disappointing when it doesn't work that way. Right. So the, they're even hard on themselves right. and telling like, man, I must not be doing a good job because I'm thinking about work and I'm at home already. Mm-hmm. And so I think all of those things to me is, is the, that idea of a compounding effect that you stubbed your toe on the way out the door, you yelled at your kid, you were two minutes late, mm-hmm. you spilt your cot. All right. those things are by themselves not horrible. But if you add up all of those frustrations or emotions throughout your morning, you get to your client and you are carrying a lot of that right. with you. So mental, all of mental wellness has a compounding effect, which means the more things that you do preventative or restorative, then it helps you right. on the opposite end. Right. I think that, I mean, we that's a great example of like little tiny things in your day. I think it even applies when we're talking about mental wellness to so like, how well are you sleeping? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, how well are you taking care of yourself? Mm-hmm. How well, mm-hmm. when's the last time you just like took a moment to breathe and did some mm-hmm. grounding and just, just reset for a moment? If you're mm-hmm. not getting those things, you're not able to take care of others as well, as mm-hmm. effectively. And so, Heather, do you agree that it both directions that happens, that you can build on the positive things you're doing and it has a compounding effect? Right. If you allow the things that take your energy to do that, right. then that has a compounding effect also. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So our supervisees feel that. We feel that. Our clients feel that. Do you have anything specific that you do to help your supervisees understand that better about themselves or manage that when you realize, okay, you've... You've got things going on at home and it's bleeding over into your counseling. Right. I One supervisor I've worked with uh, for a little while, she just had so many things going on. Mm-hmm. She just got married. She wanted to get pregnant. She wasn't getting pregnant. Her in-laws were moving to live closer to them to take care of grandchildren that weren't even born yet or conceived. I mean, it was just like a whole lot of things that were bleeding over into her personal work life. And she was working at like a counseling center for girls, like young teens that were pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so it was like everything in the world was around like fertility and pregnancy and Mm. it was just too much. And so at some point I talked her into taking a day off and then she came back in and she, I was like, well, what did you do with your day off? Did you like, you know, go to a spa? Did you get a manicure? What did you do? And she read fertility books. And I was like, I'm going to need you to take another day off and I need you not to do anything related to pregnancy or kids or anything. I think that's it's an important lesson to learn. So I think we're it's valuable that we try and help our supervisees learn this. I think, you know, as notorious as counselors are for talking about self-care, we're also notorious for not doing it. Oh, we are very notorious Um, for not doing it. I've had, I think, since working as a counselor a handful of times where I've reached out to another counselor to say, like, kind of check on them. Right. And that their initial reaction was, <clears throat> no, I'm fine. <laughs> you're no, like, I'm okay. But you're actually not because it got to the point right. where I'm checking on you. <laughs> right. One time I can remember someone that I referred to pretty fre- frequently back then just stopped. I didn't know what was happening, but right. something was different. Mm-hmm. 
and I called them, which I didn't always do. If I'm just, if right. I'm sending you people, I don't always right. call and mm-hmm. just chat or just, right. you know, but I called the office and asked for this person and just went, Hey, how's it going? So a couple of people said this to me and I wondered what was, you know, what's up? That sounds yeah. different. That doesn't sound like you. They started crying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just that one right. little that one like little someone, poke right someone noticed was all that <laughs> right had to happen before they were crying and they said all these things at home all these important things were happening and it was bleeding over and part of me thought why didn't you t- call me why right. didn't you tell me why right. didn't you tell somebody why mm-hmm. didn't you tell the person managing your office like slow the referrals right. or mm-hmm. you know something but i said well no sweat no problem. Right. I'm going to slow down the referrals, but not forever. Right. I like working with you. I, mm-hmm. I think you're a good referral. So how about in like six months? We, we'll pick back up. Right. But that I think that person wasn't really appreciating the compounding effect of their mental right. wellness. And if you can't acknowledge it, then you can't let anybody right. help you with it. But it was an easy switch. Mm-hmm. It didn't mean that this person wasn't a good counselor. I just, you know. Life was happening. We'll adjust. Right. Right. Yeah, I think, too, if you have major life stuff like that happening and Mm -hmm. you're not affected by it, that kind of worries me, too. Right. Like, are you you must be really disconnected from what's happening that you're Uh not impacted by this. And that's not any better. I've actually can share this story with you. It's been a really long time, but we had a miscarriage. We had Charlotte. We had a miscarriage and I was pretty far along. And I called in and told my friend who was also the admin there and was like, hey, not good news and kind of cried my way through. I'm not coming back to work this afternoon. Mm-hmm. This afternoon. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Tell and me goes, that that went. <laughs> she goes, OK, OK, I'll take care of this. I'll call it. I'll call your clients. I'll do that. I mean, she's mm-hmm. very helpful, very sweet. Mm-hmm. And then my work supervisor called me and said, OK, take off whatever time you need. And I mm-hmm. went, yep, I don't need time off. I just need to get back to work. Blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I'll be fine. Blah, blah, blah. And he said, OK. And I hung up the phone. And then later on that night, it had got to and, and I had told the admin person it was fine to tell people because I obviously had told people I was pregnant and now I'm not. So right. what? <laughs> go ahead and manage that for me before I get back at 8 a.m. Take care oh, of that thanks. for me. Thanks. Okay, <laughs> and one of the board members called me. And I've never even talked to this lady before. And she goes, hey, you don't know me. I'm a board member, blah, blah, blah. And she gives me an answer. It's like, okay. And she's like, you know, I can tell you, I just wanted to reach out. I've had that experience. It's really hard. I'm going to insist that you don't come into work this week. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I mean, mm-hmm. do I? and literally in my head, I was are like. Are you allowed to yes, do that, Are lady? you allowed to tell me this? You're not allowed <laughs> to tell me this. Who are you? And meanwhile, <laughs> honestly, like part of my like disconnect here was I just didn't even want to connect with the fact that I was going through a miscarriage again. Like I was like, I'm going to I'm going to just put this wall up and mm-hmm. not deal with that because I don't really feel like thinking about that. And so I kind of was like, hmm. And so I emailed my boss and was like, she says I can't come in. That's not true, right? And he was like, yeah, she called me. She said she was going to try and say that. And maybe you should just take the day tomorrow. Right. Okay. Fine. So I was going to go in Thursday. I mean, it just went on all week like this. And finally, it took me till Friday where I was finally like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't need to be working. And even when I went back into work on Monday, I, I went back into work for my job part of it. But as far as the counseling part of it yeah. was, I was like, I'm not seeing clients. Yeah, not right now. I'm here, but I'm not seeing clients. Yeah. But yeah. it literally was my own disconnect from like not wanting to deal with what was going on in my personal mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to go back and do something that's going to suck up all my time and I don't have to think about that. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah. I mean. Yeah. I think I've had, uh, they weren't supervisees, but maybe people I managed who were actually clear enough to say that. Right. Now, I want to be here because if I'm at home, right. I have to think about right. And this. I don't want to think about and this. And I'm like, that's not really a solid reason for being here as a counselor. Right? It doesn't actually work well. No. I mean, I get it. You don't want to be at the ha- at home, but. No, right. It's not. <laughs> Go to the park. <laughs> right. See you later. Right. Okay, Heather, our last point. Health is multidimensional. Yes. So much so. Yeah. I feel like all of our points today kind of build on each other, mm-hmm. but health is multidimensional. I think, I mean, there's many parts of what makes a person person healthy. And I mean, like any other, almost something like de- anything that decays, like if there's one right. part that's not going well, then the rest starts right. to be affected. Right. And I think that can apply. I mean, obviously you can see it physically. Mm-hmm. If you have an injury and you don't attend to it or you don't take care of it, obviously other parts of your body start Mm -hmm. trying to kick in and help that injury. And that can be more damage. Mm -hmm. But you can also look at it from the mental side. And if you're going to try and put things in a box and not deal with them, or you're going to try and deal with everything and never stop, it's going to take a toll. Mm -hmm. I I had a job. I was pretty young. And my coworkers were pretty young, I thought. Mm -hmm. I mean, some older, some younger than me. But I remember at one point, it was a stressful job. At one point, I realized Every single one of us had a physical problem, ailment. Yes, <laughs> back pain, knee pain, headaches, mm-hmm. like all these. And things. you're like, hmm. and I and I remember I was, I was actually standing at one point of the hallway, and I could kind of see most of us. And I thought, we're like falling apart. She's limping. Mm-hmm. He's like holding his head. I mean, literally, this is we're not falling okay. apart. Right. And I'm like, look at us. How did this happen? And I did quit. Probably certainly not soon enough, but probably not too long after I had that thought and instantly yeah. started feeling better. Right. And thought, oh my goodness. Stress. We were it was happening to us. Mm-hmm. That's what the job was doing to us. So it, it was that our mental health affected our physical health mm-hmm. and vice versa. So we're just in this vicious right cycle. So I think the way we worded that bullet point, Heather, today, health is multidimensional. So not only are health concerns multidimensional, but health resolutions or solutions would right. be multidimensional. So right. the things that we could do to help ourselves to be healthier. Right. I don't be- have the uh, study right now, but I know that there's been lots of different studies done on when people get like a really like a chronic illness diagnosis or cancer diagnosis or things like that. A lot of time or a lot of research has gone into people's dispositions about it, Mm -hmm. like how they attack that or don't attack it, Mm -hmm. affecting their recovery process. I've mentioned it before, but I'll name drop since I like the organization. (laughs) I worked at Cancer Support Community, which is from the organization Gilda's Club. So Gilda Radner. Mm -hmm. and, And the reason that there's an organization named after her based on her experience, that when she had cancer, she found this little collective in surely some very hippy dippy part of California (laughs) that was like that, where Mm -hmm. it was supportive. It was about holistic health. It was really attending to all of her different needs and that it was amazing for her and Mm -hmm. it made a big difference. And so from that, a lot of research was conducted, but also more of these kinds of groups were created across the country to provide a more multidimensional picture of what can health be like for somebody Mm -hmm who's been diagnosed or is affected by cancer. Right. Very cool. 
So, Heather, thanks today. I thought this was a good topic, uh, very timely. Yes, very timely. Mm -hmm. Today we talked about lessons that we have learned or can learn from the 2020 Olympics. Heather and I would love to hear about what you have enjoyed uh, about the 2020 Olympics or that you've learned from them. Thanks today for listening to Supervision with a Vision. You've been listening to Supervision with a Vision. Head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Therapy Academy to join the conversation and get show notes. We'll be back next week with more Supervision with a Vision.